Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by Boxing Hall of Famer, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. More importantly, how you doing? You know, a lot of stuff going on in your life. You moved, you're now in Tennessee, you're no longer in the hills of California. And there's nobody after you, is there? I mean, everything okay because there's stuff here. I mean, is that connected? Is that connected to the uh, the bad Super Bowl result that we got? <laughs> nope, not at all. I took okay. my kids skiing for the first time ever, and uh, between trying to wrangle them around the mountain, kind of like herding cats, I just didn't have enough time to shave and figured I'd embrace the uh, whole southern mountain man look. Oh, all right. I thought maybe because you moved to Tennessee, you, you know, you were hiding out. You didn't want no one to know that you were Boston, uh, you know, that you were New England Patriots uh, sad fan. I mean, no, Suffolk's No, the Tampa Bay Patriots got another one for us, so Patriots yeah. win again. <laughs> I, I figured you'd get that worked out. Um so how's Tennessee? I mean, the Volunteers and the Titans and and Ken Rideout and family. How, how's, it, how's it all going? So far, so good. The, the, the people couldn't be nicer to the point where I said to my wife, uh, I don't know, man, these neighbors, they're super friendly. Either like, I think they're either trying to prank us or um, something's going on. No one's this nice. And she said that I was crazy. All the East Coast, uh, you know, <laughs> suspicious people from the East Coast right away. New York, any of that. You, you got to wonder if somebody. I used to get off a plane four times a week back in the day when I was doing a uh, Friday and Wednesday night fights for ESPN. So I'd be going all over the country getting on a plane. I didn't even know where I was at the time. I'd wake up. I said, what, what city am I in? You know, did that for almost 20 years. So. I, I'd get off the plane, I'd be in some nice, you know, suburbia heaven somewhere, and I'd, I'd be walking in the airport, and somebody would say, hello, and I'd be like, <laughs> like, you're talking, hello, like, oh, it's, I'm not in New York, it's okay to, uh, you can say hello. <laughs> You can, I mean, really, you had to like shake that off you. Like, you know what I mean? That, that yeah. protection envelope around you, that that suspicion that, I mean, like, uh, hello, who, who's over here? <laughs> said hello to me. Good morning. Um, good morning. <laughs> you know, are you going through a little of that, um, you know, adjustment? A little bit. I would say when I was in New York, you know, when you're in New York and the people, the uh, the scammers, they always try to target the tourists like, hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? And every time they would approach me, if I were walking, when I was walking home from work or something, I'd be like, dude, I live here. What? I would be so insulted that the scammers would pick me up. I'd be like, do I look like a tourist to you? I live here. Find someone else. <laughs> but yeah, the people here have been so over the top friendly that I said to my wife, I said, I wonder if they're trying to run a scam on us that no one is this nice. <laughs> Unbelievable. Keep the beard for a while, just to be sure. Keep the beard. Don't shave it yet. You know? Keep, keep I asked Shelby the other day if she thought I could get away with a cowboy hat. She said, no, nah, I don't think so. That might be a bit much. Yeah, it might be. It might be a little bit. The beard's enough, Ken. The beard's enough. Uh, but that Brady is pretty good, isn't he? Isn't Holy he? cow. It just it's unbelievable, right? It doesn't seem like he can lose. Although I gotta give a lot of you gotta give a lot of credit to the defense. I mean, they had that they had Patrick Mahomes like on. Yeah, they did a good job. That really coordinated good. the whole 
the whole deal. They did a good job. My son, of course, Scott, you know, he's a uh, uh, director, assistant director of scouting for the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. He told me before the game, he said, Dad, big thing here, the tackles for Kansas City, most important positions sometimes in the offensive line. That's that. That can be perilous, uh, you know, for Mahomes. Even though everyone said, ah, he'll still escape. His ability to escape, his escapability, if you will, uh, definitely was reduced, was compromised by his turf tone, which he got operated on, you know, a couple of days later. But with those tackles being down, one of them was had an ACL injury. I forget what the other one. But with those two tackles for Kansas City uh, having to be out and be replaced, that opened up the floodgates for that defense uh, to put all that prep because really Mahomes was running for his life all day. Yeah, uh, you know, so a combination of those things happening and uh, listen, my son said it after the game. All those things, all the X's and all's, all that, but they just look like the hungrier team too. Oh, they definitely. Did. Yeah, oh they yeah, yeah, they look like they were bullying them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, they All right, well, talking about bullying, let's get into some fight stuff, but without bullying, with just good, solid fighting and yeah. professionalism. UFC put on an awesome event last night. Uh, I know I sound like a broken record. On paper, I got to say, I was a little bit disappointed that that was a pay-per-view. You look at some of the pay-per-views they have coming up with three title fights, I think, in March with the um, Israel Adesanya fight. It looks awesome. This one I wasn't that excited about, but I got to say, all the fights delivered. They were all exciting. Maybe not the big names, but let's start with the Calvin Gastelum and Ian Heinish fight, speaking of bullies, because... One guy looked like the older brother and one guy looked like the younger brother. I mean, the first round was a little bit close. Both had a deep uh, wrestling background with Kelvin Gastelum being a much more decorated college wrestler. And Ian Heinish uh, wrestled in high school, two-time state champion, really good. But you could see our, our producer, Rob, pointed out the difference in an elite high school wrestler versus an elite college wrestler. I mean, two big guys. Kelvin Gastelum was literally picking him up, slamming him to the canvas. It was just, he just slowly broke him down and beat him up over three rounds. Like I said, the first round was close, but then Gastelum just pulled away. What'd you see in that one? I was curious to get your opinion since it was such a heavy wrestling fight and what, what, what your take on the uh, differences were. I saw two big, strong physical guys with big backs. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, uh, I saw I, I saw silverbacks, you know. I I saw the 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 just that that raw physical strength, the thickness in their bodies. Uh, obviously, like all these UFC guys with the code of toughness. Um, but I saw what Rob pointed out: different levels of wrestling, kind of like what we talked about one time. I think it was on his hand. We were talking about it, Ken, where. You get those different levels, like you have a high school football player, say from the Jersey area, whatever, from your area, and he's he's all everything. He's all everything. And and then all of a sudden he goes away to Penn State, where, whatever school, Alabama, you know, all the time. But you go to a Division One school and you're like, your eyes open up. Wow. And there's a whole mess of me running around here. And, and I'm not the king no more. You know, I'm I'm not the I'm not the the emperor here, and there's a man of them, and they're all faster, and they're bigger. 
I mean, like, that's what happens when you, you know, you get outside that realm and you get to the next realm, to the next realm. And that's kind of what it was like in the wrestling department that, you know, uh, Heinisch is, uh, like you said, a, a very adequate, a very solid uh, wrestler who was All-American High School. But then he runs into a guy in Gastelum who is a college, different level. So you, you saw the takedowns. Um, with Gastelum, but this is what I take away from it. The experience that Gastelum having fought better competition, having more experience, I saw his motor didn't have to run as fast and maybe too fast where Heinish was, where he was burning fuel. He was, he was gulping fuel. And that's an experience thing. In my business, in anything in life, that's, a, that's experience. You see a guy in a courtroom, a young lawyer, you know, that's uh, never done a trial before. And you see the, the district attorney that's done a million trials. And he's noticing common. You'll see the young lawyer, you know, taking water every five minutes or maybe every five seconds. And, and maybe, uh, you know, getting ahead of himself. And it takes experience to be able to best project your talent, whatever that talent is, the best convey that talent, it takes experience in whatever you do. You, you could be, I, I remember me and Coach would tell fighters, you know, when you fight for the world title and you say you're five years away from it, what you know now is all you need to know. And they would be like, what? What do you mean? I'm not going to learn more? To be honest, people don't want to hear this, but if you're going to let, let the cat out of the bag, you probably don't need to know anything more technically. You, you learned enough, but you're going to be able to use it at a level that you need to use it because the experience you're going to get over the five years. That's, that's going to make the difference. And that's what I saw in a fight, the experience difference. Yeah, they're both physically strong, the, the higher level wrestler, Gastelum, all that, but the experience, he was calmer. He was more relaxed. He was more comfortable in that cage. He was more comfortable in an uncomfortable environment. Those are the things that I see. Those are the things that I look at because that makes all the difference. And Heinrich will be served, well served by this experience. And I saw a lot of experience level differences throughout the night in that UFC card. A lot of it. We'll, we'll, we'll handle each one as we get to them. We'll break each one down into, but all of them fell under that umbrella, that umbrella of how important. Because you should say to me, okay, now we got this guy, he's ready, he only needs three things. What do you, what's he need? Experience, okay, I'm listening. Experience, mm -hmm. and experience. <laughs> Because you learned, like I said, you, you, you could have learned years earlier the technique that you're going to use years later, but you don't have the experience yet to use it at that level in that environment under extreme conditions. So I saw that calmer, more relaxed, Gastelum, showed his experience, Edge, as I just said. Um, and I... I tell you, it was a well, again, well matched for Gastelum. I could mention a hundred things, but I don't think it's necessary. 
he his experience allowed him to have the edge. You know, uh, I don't know if he's physically stronger than the other guy, uh, but he was able that little extra confidence, that that calmness to be able to see them and react at the right moment. Uh, it, it was evident. It was evident if you know that world. Hey guys, just want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsors. We're very excited to be working with Amp Human. Amp Human is a human performance company dedicated to helping people unlock their potential. Their latest innovation, D Plus Lotion, is a first of its kind gel based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through the skin. Uh, full disclosure, I use this stuff all the time. Every single day I use it. I use their PR lotion before every workout and when. There's race seasons here uh, outside of COVID season. I uh, use the stuff every, t- every time before a race. Um, but regarding the vitamin D, especially during the COVID uh, times, it's very important that you keep supplementing with vitamin D. With limited sunlight during winter and more time indoors, there's never been a more important time to supplement with vitamin D. Just two pumps applied to the inner forearms contains 5,000 IUs of vitamin D to boost your immunity, improve sleep quality, and support brain function. Backed by two clinical trials, it's proven to be highly effective. Through your skin is really the best and easiest way to get vitamin D. To check it out and get a special offer, be sure to visit amphuman.com slash atlas. That's atlas, A-T-L-A-S. Use promo code atlas to get 15% off your D-plus lotion today. Again, that's amphuman.com slash atlas to get 15% off your D-plus lotion today. Today's program is also brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. I've said it a million times. I love this stuff. I take it with me everywhere. I was just skiing with my kids in Colorado. I took the uh, travel packets with me, which is part of a special offer that they're offering to our listeners. These guys spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It has vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. Consider it like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. Uh, It's literally all you need to stay on top of your immunity with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. No need for multivitamins or whatever else you take in. Athletic Greens has you covered. Athletic Greens has given our listeners five travel packs for free. So whether you're looking for boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash atlas, A-T-L-A-S, to claim the special offer of five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash atlas. One thing that worth pointing out for context when you're talking about experience, um, Kelvin's last three fights, he went the distance with Israel Adesanya, who is a there killer. There you go. There you he go. Went, he went the distance with Darren Till. He did, lose a, he did lose in a submission loss to Jack Hermans. And Ian Heinish, by contrast, is four, he's 14-4. and four, And, I mean, no disrespect to some of the guys. He lost to Derek Brunson. He beat Gerald Merschart. But, I mean, you know, That's completely different level of opponents. I mean, uh Kelvin's been in there with the best of the best. He beat Michael Bisman. I mean, he's beat he's he beat some real killers. And it, so. it showed. It showed. And that's why I always say, you know, pay me now, pay me later, baby. You know, you got to get that experience. You yeah. know, it, it's, it's <laughs> you think you're doing a guy. And well, I'm not talking about this fight in particular. I'm not. But I'm just saying in, in the realm of uh, 
the sports world, and in this case, combat world, boxing, all of it. Everyone wants that glossy record. Everyone wants to get that paycheck. Everyone wants to get to the network, whatever the network is. And they want to have that 15 and old, 16 and old, 20 and old, 20. Yeah. But, but you gotta, sooner or later, you gotta pay the piper. You gotta pay the piper. So you gotta love about the UFC. You gotta get, that's right. And that's the difference. You gotta get that experience. UFC throws Ian Heinish, who they think is a rising star, in with Kelvin Gaslam, who they think's a fading star. He's coming off three losses in a row, but the losses out of, out of Sonya, Darren Till, Jack Hermanson, two decisions, one submission, and they bring in Heinish, who's coming off a couple wins and throw him in. They discount, I think a lot of people discounted Kelvin Gaslam's a killer. I mean, he's, he's been in with everyone and gone Absolutely. and been tough. And that's exactly what we're talking about. And, and that's why I started there. I could talk about, you know, the, uh, the grappling and the strength. And, and we touched on it, but the experts are the ones who do that. And that's another thing I want to just throw out there. You know, I, I have no problem uh, pointing out when I think somebody comes up short in their business and is not doing a, a great job. I, I, I'm going to say that's my job. But I think these commentators... Uh, that do the UFC do a tremendous job. They First of all, they make you feel comfortable. They make you feel like you're sitting in a lounge with them at a bar or a restaurant. You're just hanging out. That's the way it's supposed to be. And you're yes. just having a conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. 100% and not, right. And they're not talking above you. They're not talking down to you. They're talking with you, to you. Oh, and... They have the expertise on top of it. They they're informed. They they know the X's and O's. They know they know all that. But their delivery is comfortable. It's 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 what it's supposed to. And they mix nicely. They they really they they play off of each other really well. They complement each other. Anyway, um, I I think it was the experience, like I said, and. It's very important. Heineck's, uh lost the fight, but he, he won in the area where this experience will help him. Uh, it's important. You got to get it. You have to get it. And and I'll finish with this. Someone out there saying, Teddy, put a, put a cap on exactly what it is you get. You get questions answered to yourself that I can handle this. I'm dependable in this area. I can go up to Mount Everest and handle that thin air. It's thin air. It's thin air, baby, when you get on this kind of stage with this kind of competition. And that's it. That guys like Gostelum, they have the answers already. Heine is getting the answers. He has to get it. But that's the advantage. Gostelum had the answer. Yes. Yes. I can handle that altitude. Yes, I can depend on myself. That's it. There it is, baby. Yeah, and, and to that to that point, um, you could see Heinish, not only was he dependable, but he was game at the end. I mean, he was getting out-wrestled, but you could oh, see he, still he made, making he runs. Made, he made a trying. run. He made a run. Give him all the credit in the world. And, and, I, and listen, I think part of it was the process. The first two rounds going through that. By the third round, you know, he had gained a little. He had grown a bit. Um, of course, he was behind. There was desperation there. But he, uh, 
he made a run. He made a run for him in that in that final round, which he, he may have taken that round. I don't remember what they put up as the scores, but it, in my mind, I had Gosselin winning the first two, and I had um, Heinrich winning the last. Did you have it that way? That's the way I... I, I I mean, it was close. I think Heinrich got one round, 29. Tw- one judge had it 29, uh, 28 for Gastelum, and the, re- and the other two had 30, 27, I think. So I think right. one judge gave Heinrich one round. Well, that would have been me. That's, that's yeah. right. I, I just thought that he made, a, he, he made a run in the third round. And like I said, going through the... Going through the numbers, if you will, the, the process of it, by the time he got to third, some of what was holding him back was no longer holding him back. He, he just went. Uh, he, he, he just let him. And that's part of it, too, trusting yourself. Let, let yourself go. The right way, responsibly, but trusting yourself. Not being held back by, by those forces, if you will. Yeah. And... Um, and like I said, you could see it in so many different levels, so many different ways. You could see how lack of experience affects you. You burn too fast, uh, you know, so so many debilitating ways that it can attack you. But anyway, uh, game, game guy, uh, both of them, obviously, but... He made a nice run in the end, yes. The other thing I wanted to say is, yeah, when you hear Rogan and Cormier together, you're exactly right. They make you feel comfortable. They're both super nice guys, but they come across that way where even if you don't know them, you feel like you're, you're in there with them, like they're, they're your friends talking to you at a bar or a restaurant watching the fight. I, I love listening to them. I could listen to it all day, and Cormier is the best at breaking down the minute details of the uh, of the action, especially on the ground. He's obviously got a crazy... Uh, Background in oh, grappling. Yeah, yeah, and, two, uh, two-time Olympian. I mean, you yep. don't get better than that. So good. I mean, when he was talking about the fight, we're going to break down now. Uh, uh, Alexa Grasso and uh, Macy Barber. Um, when he was talking about the finish, when um, was it that fight when the when the girl? No, sorry, it was one of the earlier fights. The girl had an arm bar on, and 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 Cormier was talking about the baseball grip that she had on her arm. But um, that Alexa Grasso and Macy Barber fight was a uh, was a good one. That, I, I, again, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to this fight when I saw it on paper, but wow, that was an exciting fight. Barber coming off of a loss to Roxanne Modafferi, uh, 22 years old, you know, the rising superstar coming off a loss. I was expecting her to rebound and run over Grasso, but Grasso, wow, she was game. She brought the uh, she brought the uh, heat and. Got the victory over Macy Barbara, a uh, bit of an upset. In my mind, a bit of an upset there. I thought that, like I said, Barbara was going to take that one. What would you see in that fight? Yeah, listen, I saw experience uh, level difference. Again, uh, number one, uh, I saw a very well-rounded um, Russell. She, she is so well-rounded. Just like when I look and appreciate the fighters that are well-rounded. I mean, she's got a jiu-jitsu grappling skills on the mat and she's a terrific striker her technique is good uh she was more relaxed she was calmer she was calmer same thing she was she fought the better competition she's more experienced it showed it showed she was comfortable there uh grasso she wins the first two rounds uh just better technically uh more disciplined as i said calmer really in control of everything. 
able to see what's going on there on the outside with, with our striking. She did a great job of timing uh, Baba. Baba, and, and I'm going to attach it to the experience difference. Baba was, I'm, it's going to sound similar to the one I just did, but if it is, it is, you know. Baba was burning too fast. She was, she was exerting more energy than she will down the pipe, uh, down the pike when she gets more experience. Uh, Grasso wasn't having to burn that much. She was calmer, more comfortable in her environment. Uh, Baba was running too fast, as I said, burning too much petrol. And she was making movements from too far away, throwing punches from too far away, uh, making head movements. And that's the lack of experience at that level. That's the, you want to call it the nerves, uh, but it's the experience. And Grasso was taking advantage of it, timing her on the way in, because she knew that she had, if she sat on the outside, she knew that she had the edge, where while Barbara was coming at her, she could see her, she could recognize that, and she could pick her off. And she was picking her off. She was doing a great job of timing her. Again, the key is calmness. She was calm. She was controlled. Grass of being she. I think the inactivity of Barbara, who was coming off a year from an ACL tear, that didn't help. Yes. Yep. You're right. That, 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 the more often you're in the octagon, the ring, whatever you want to call it, the calmer you get. That's why Tyson why they did what they did with Tyson. A lot of people thought it was just to keep him out of trouble. So, you know, he, you know, he wasn't uh, going crazy or something, you know, and, and he, he wasn't getting himself in trouble. Maybe that was part of it. But the real thing in the development of Tyson, when they were having him fight every two weeks, was that he was getting calmer by being in that ring, being in that, environment, the more often you do it, the better you get, the more relaxed you get, the more sure of yourself, the more comfortable. We've been talking about that word, comfortable. How do you get comfortable in an uncomfortable place? By being in that place, by, by having the skills and knowing you can rely on them, knowing you can rely on yourself. And that that's so important. And when you're away for a year, you're not in that place and you're not getting the benefit of what I'm talking about. And it shows. And it did show. Um, I think uh, I think Barbara showed great heart. She took that last round by, by selling out. She just sold out. She, she imposed herself with all the mistakes she was making, making those head moves. See, look, if, if I'm too far away from you and I'm making those head movements, you can just stay there and pop, pop, pot shot, time the person as they're coming at you. And that's kind of like what was going on. But in the third round, to her credit, really, to Barbara's credit, she just imposed herself physically on, on Grasso. She just she just sold out, and um, you know she she took away the technical advantages of Grasso in that last round. You know you could do that 
Someone's technically better, but you swarm them. You smother them. If you can do it without getting caught on the way in, you can kind of even a playing field with their advantage of being technically better because now you're making it physical stuff. Now you're not letting them use that technique. Now you're on top of them. You're all over them. And you're not allowing the technical advantage to be an advantage. You're, you're, you're not letting them be the better fighters, so to speak, uh, in simple terms. And she did that. She took the technical advantage away from Grosso in that last round by, by swarming. And, um, did you notice at times that uh, Barbara, when she was on the outside, she was almost throwing combinations from such a distance that it was almost like she was on well, that's autopilot? What I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, that's what I'm fun. saying. But, but, but that's yeah. She was throwing punches like she was shadow boxing, and and meanwhile, you know, her opponent was still two feet back. But yeah. that some of that, some of that comes with just not being calm enough yet. You know. Yeah. Some of it is that maybe you're, you know, sure of certain things that you're going to get counted. So you're doing it from a distance where you know you can't get counted. But the problem with that is you will get timed. Yeah. You will get timed because as you're doing that, by the time you reset, the opponent is set. Mm -hmm. And now she can pot shot you. Yeah. And um, she was doing, listen, again, I was very impressed with, Grasso, the first two rounds, just her demeanor, her professionalism, uh, being being so calm, in tune with herself. You know, it reminds me kind of like what the great Michael Jordan used to say: "You you can't you you gotta let the game come to you. You can't force the game. You can't." And that's kind of evident in everything at a top level that Grasso wasn't trying to force it to, you know Jordan would say trying to remember exactly what the verbiage was but it was more it was basically along the lines of you know you gotta you, you can't you can't get ahead of the game yeah you, you can't force it you, you you gotta be in tune with the game and that's what Grasso was and on the other end of it, as as we said, and then you brought it up again, Barbara was forcing it. She was ahead of it with those punches from too far away. Uh, she was a little out of sync. Um, you you got to get in sync. You got to get into a rhythm, um, but in sync uh, with yourself in that environment. And that takes experience. That takes, again, that, that takes doing it, you know, um, I remember Cuss, to make the example, when he would say it to me, he would say, he would go outside to a different vocation, and he would say, hey, if you want to be a top surgeon, the more surgeries you do, the better surgeon you're going to be. And he said, at what point is it not understanding what vein to, to suture and which vein to open up? After what, you, you kind of know that. So what is it that you're gaining with doing it over and over? Getting relaxed, getting comfortable, not panicking, you know, in that environment. That could be you know, tough in the operating room when you got to open somebody up. That's a whole different environment, you know, and you got to get calm in that environment and in sync in that environment. 
So that's that's what I saw in these two two of the UFC fights. There was a consistency with seeing those things. Yeah, I like the analogy with the surgeon because you could compare that with anything in life. I mean, even with the podcast, the first few episodes versus how we feel now. I wonder when you started doing the broadcast for ESPN, did you feel overwhelmingly nervous on the first few goes? And then how comfortable did you get towards the end of the um, calling the live fights? Yeah, absolutely. And I've been calm for years until I started working with you. And then I got a little jittery again and nervous <laughs> and, you know, everything else. But, but, <laughs> nah, listen, uh, yeah. I just um, think it's good for other people to know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't, everything isn't oh, about true. a fight. It's about life. And that's what we always try to tell people. Yeah, we try to connect the dots with, you know, with fighting and life. Because, like I said, the first one we did of these um, a couple of years ago, I remember saying, you would ask me, what is your goal in this? Well, it's to, to tell people what's going on and to hopefully, you know, be a little bit of a watchdog when we can and try to keep people straight a little bit in the business so the fighters uh, have the best opportunity probably if we could do that, if it's a plus. Uh, but really to, to, tell the, to tell the people, the fans out there, things that they might not know on their own, you know, anybody could tell you a jab being, oh, really? Oh, thanks a lot. But why? <laughs> but why is he landing it? So same thing I did at ESPN to try to give them a more understanding so they can enjoy the experience of watching a fight at a higher level um, and to be able to, you know, break it down for them. But I remember that day I also said, for me, boxing is life you know we're all in a fight it's it's really the epitome of life it, it's a metaphor for life it is we're fighting we're fighting every freaking day it's just a matter of what are you fighting for and i wanted to be able to use a subject i'm very familiar with the fight game to connect the dots to everyone out there to regular people out there in life in different ways. And you just brought up a good point. That That's part of what we just did now. Uh, there's always a relation. Uh, there's always something relative there. There's always a parallel. Uh, you know, the only difference is you don't have gloves on and you might not be getting punched in the face, but you're getting hit some other way. Yep. You know, it doesn't always have to be, the threat doesn't have to be physical. The punishment right. doesn't have to be physical. It could be emotional. Yep. Emotional stuff could be uh, a lot tougher. Yep. Well, speaking of experience, uh, in the main event, the experience showed through for um, Kamaru Usman. He got his 13th straight uh, victory in the UFC. Huge accomplishment. Only only one man has more than him now, Anderson Silva, with 16. Um Huge win for Usman. He was rocked bad in the first round, but I think that that may have ended up helping him get the victory because I think when Burns had Usman hurt, he opened up and basically uh, emptied the gas tank trying to get the finish. He survived in the second, and Usman destroyed him in the third, knocked him out, beat him up pretty good. But what a performance by Usman. What toughness shown because he was rocked. He got hit with two bombs in that first round, and uh, I, I thought he was out. I thought Burns was going to put it on him and finish him. To Usman's credit, he had the heart of a champion. He fought through it. 
did what he had to do to survive the round, came back out, settled down in the second, and put him away in the third. Um, curious to hear your thoughts on this one because that was, uh, I mean, there were so many different ebbs and flows in the fight, and it was, you know, as our, our producer again pointed out during the fight, it's interesting when you get two high-level wrestlers and grapplers uh, they tend to nullify each other and they end up having a huge uh, stand-up war, which is what happened here. And uh, yeah, awesome, entertaining fight, great win for Usman, very emotional at the end, two friends, former teammates at the Black Zillions uh, in South Florida. Then uh, Usman went out to Colorado and trained with Trevor Whitman. But um, dying to hear your thoughts on this one. And listen, Usman has the entire package. Matley, he's so together, and it showed he needed that. That was the key. Um, what you're describing, when you said, you know, he got hurt, and I thought he was going to get stopped and all that, um, what you're describing is a quality. There's, there's, there's a trait um, there. It's not a trait that you can... Is as measurable as the physical traits, you know, speed, power. That's very, that's very measurable. But it's, it's, it's a trait that is just as tangible. It, it is. It's just that you you see it in the performance. You can't see it, as I said, as a measurable way. You can say, you know, I, I can see the speed. I can see the explosiveness. I can see, you know, the agility. Um, that trait is something that Cush used to say to me, that he only knew two fighters that had it. One was Sugar Ray Robinson, the great Sugar Ray Robinson, and the other was Muhammad Ali. And it's called the trait of supreme confidence. And Usman's got it, buddy. And that's what you saw. Well, you, well, you weren't so confident yet. And in all seriousness, kidding around, but seriously, well, you would think, oh, gee, he, he might get stopped here. He knew he wasn't because he wasn't going to allow it. That's supreme confidence. Yeah. He, he, and that's a trait. The, the special ones have it. The special ones have it. Usman's got it. Where he, you never doubt yourself. Kind of like when you're telling your kids uh, as a father, you're teaching them, don't doubt yourself. Don't lose faith in yourself. Don't let somebody talk you out of what you believe. Yeah, we tell our kids that. And that's, and it's so important. And, but it's something that has to be developed that comes with experience again, that comes with going through the fires and knowing that you can trust yourself, you can depend on yourself, that you can believe in yourself in a, in a true sense, in a deep sense. And that's what he had, Supreme Conference, where, where you and other people could be looking and saying, uh-oh, he's, he's done. He's not even thinking that. He's like, now the fight has started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the fight has started. It has begun. Because like I always say, and, and our good friend and a tremendous warrior champion, uh, Dustin Poirier, you know, put out a quote that, that I've said before, where a fight's not a fight until there's something to overcome. And it's, 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 I've always recognized that. I mean, I have to. If I don't recognize that, like Cus would say, you shouldn't be training fighters. You should be out on the corner selling uh, Italian ices, you know, strawberry, you know, watermelon. Uh, I, I like I like chocolate. I like chocolate ice. That's a, that's a nice one. <laughs> but if you're going to be in this business, you better understand such things. And Usman, when he got hurt, he 
There was never a loss of faith. There was never a doubt that creeped in there. He just, he just said, okay, tighten it up. <laughs> you know, button down the hatches. This, uh, this is what I'm here for. And I know where I'm going. And I know where I'm not going. <laughs> I know I'm not going to that dark room. Yeah, I ain't going to that dark room. I'm not even going to that gray room. I'm going to the light. The light of victory. And that's it. That, that's what, and that's the brilliance of it. That's what's magnificent about it. Is that, yeah, we saw the punches, we saw the grappling, the, everything on the, on the mat. He's so well-rounded. He's so well-rounded. He's got, like I said, he's got the whole package. Um, strong, talented, technically solid on his, on his feet and on the mat. Um, and he showed great class afterwards, as you touched on with Burns afterwards. I love it. I love it. But, I mean, these guys are, are brutal barbarians to people. And meanwhile, they, they, they're not. As human beings, they're, they're classic. They, they're what they have to be in the place that they have to be that. Yep. They're every bit of what they have to be. And he, um, that's what I saw. Listen, I saw Hearns and Hagler, the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. The Tommy Hitman Hearns came out there and he hurt Usman. You know, obviously Burns I'm talking about. It, it was Hagler. It was, and the funny thing, it went three rounds just like Hagler Hearns. And I tweeted that, Hagler Hearns, because <laughs> that's what I was saying. He went out there like Hearns. Hearns had that big right hand, the, the Motor City Cobra, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. He went out there and Burns caught him with a right hand. Caught Usman with a right hand. And Ken, again, there's always a reason. You don't get lucky in my business or in that business. It's all the same. You don't get lucky. It's, it's for a reason. You're calm enough to see something. Your timing was right. Your technique was right. There, there's a reason. And what happened was Usman early on, it happened earlier, obviously, he jabbed from too close. Bang! The right hand was able to get in and it caught him behind the end. So that's a tough spot to get hit. Trojan equilibrium more. So he, he hurt Usman with that right hand. Uh, he timed him. He timed him with a nice right hand. But then once he got it turned around, once he got past that and behaved the way he had to behave and use what he what I just described to the people out there, once that happened, then well then you saw all the skills, the mental part, the physical, the technical part, um, terrific job. Before I get to the jab, and the jab was a key, uh, just beautiful job with that jab. That was the key for Usman, getting things under control, getting control back from the striking standpoint, because he's tremendous on the floor too. I mean, like I said, he's so well-rounded, but his striking has improved so much. You know, Whitman, who used to be a boxing coach years ago, he fought on my app 20 years ago. With He had a fighter named Vernon Forrest, if my memory is correct, from the Albany area. Pretty good fighter, a veteran fighter. And Whitman was a young kid, and he was training him. And then he disappeared. And he, obviously, he found his way into the UFC. He's doing a terrific job. And the jab was so important. But before the jab, there was a spot where on the outside, 
Burns led with a left hook. It's a no-no. I always talk about boxing. Don't lead with a left hook in front of a guy because a straight right hand will come down the middle if the guy times you right and straight beats round all the time. All the time. So it, it starts with a left hook in front, Burns, and Usman times him with a right hand. He hurts with that. But then his jab stole the show. Stole the show. And I've said many times on ESPN, I've said it here, that you can knock a guy out with a jab. You can hurt a guy with a jab. It doesn't have to be a left hook, a right hand, a big uppercut. It can be a straight jab. If it's thrown the right way from the shoulder, you grab the floor, your feet are set on the floor, the power comes from the floor, you're solid, bang, right from the floor, bang, right from the floor, and straight, snapping your shoulder. And that's the beauty of it. That's, that is the technique behind the jab. But here's the key. Timing. Timing. And how do you have good timing? By being calm. And that was the difference. Usman was nice and calm. And again, I'll say it again, because it's been a consistent theme throughout the night of UFC. The experience different. The level of opposition. Every, you know, all of that. And listen, Burns been in there with guys. But you could see that you could see that Burns was burning fuel again at a faster rate than Usman, who was calmer, who was just more comfortable, more relaxed, even though he got hurt early on. He never lost faith. I went over that already. And he started to control the outside with that jab. And yeah, the jab was everything I just showed when I stood up. But the timing was the key. He threw it at the right time. He threw it. He was able to see. His vision was good. Top fighters have good vision, good eyes. I don't know if they're more than 20-20. I'm not necessarily saying that. Ted Williams had beyond 2020, the maybe the greatest hit. I know you're going to say it's the greatest hit. <laughs> but, but maybe the greatest hit, last guy to ever hit 400, maybe the greatest hit of all time, right? He had five years taken away uh, going into the Air Force, going into, you know, into the military. But special guy. But he, he had great eyes. But part of it is calmness to use those eyes. And Usman, you could see it. I'm looking at that. I'm, that's what I'm seeing. He's calm. And, he's not, and he was smart. He took it on the outside. You know why? The other guy was a little cruder. Just a touch cruder. A little wider with his shots. Um, not quite as finesseful, if you will. Not quite as technically sound. Just a little more fat on his punches. So when you're on the outside, you can exploit somebody that way. You can exploit them because you're on the outside. You can let them make mistakes. Give them room to make mistakes. Give them space to make mistakes and be able to see those mistakes and capitalize. And that's what he was doing. I thought it was great. See, I'm, I'm looking at that. I, I thought it was, I, I, oh, man, I just thought it was brilliant because Usman's, he's on the outside, his eyes, he's calm, and he sees the guy throw a little while. Because he gave him room. He gave him a little rope to hang himself. Gave him a little room to make a mistake. You want room so he can make a mistake. And now, as I said, you can make him pay for that mistake. And then a jet at the right time. Just the right time. Bam! The right time. And you know what the right time was? Burns 
was getting ready to start something. Like he was getting into position to start something. Bam! The jab disrupted it. Disrupted, discombobulated him because it was time perfect. And the one that dropped him at the end, did he drop him with the jab or just? Yes. I think he, I think he dropped yeah. him twice with yeah. the jab. Yeah, Stiff twice. Jab. Well, the one that he dropped him with, the one I'm seeing in my head right now, and it might have been the last one, was where Burns wandered. You can't wander in the ring. You can't. You can't. It's kind of like your kids. You got to make sure they don't wander out into the street <laughs> where there's traffic, Ken. You got to make sure they don't wander. And he kind of like wandered into no man's land. He forgot his range. You, you got to always know your range. You got to always be able to judge the distance, where the punches start, where they end. It's right here. For me, if I'm fighting a guy, it's probably right here. So as I get there into that range, I got to be ready to move. I got to be ready to punch. I can't go into that range. I got to recognize that that beginning of that no man's land, that danger zone. You know, I, I got, there's no signs of, like there are in the movies where, where they say this is a military zone. Maybe it's better not have a picnic here. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. There, there might be some missiles coming while while you're eating your baked chicken. You know what I mean. You know, so you you can't come into into that military zone. You gotta recognize where it is. You gotta feel it. You gotta know it. So that's what happened. Burns didn't recognize it. He got into that military zone. You know that that no man's land, and he didn't realize he was there. And bam, he got caught with that chair. And the other, and, and Usman recognized that. And he was calm enough to, to do that. That, to me, that was the brains. That was the science. I, and people are going to say, Teddy, are you actually using the term sweet science with UFC now? Are you? That's blasphemy. Are you doing that? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah, they're rugged, they're tough, they're, oh, they're ready to go where they got to go. Yeah, but. The ones who are on top, and that's what we're talking about, they have the science too. They're smarter. That's part of the mix. And they're calm, again, in the middle of fire. In the middle of fire, they're calm. They don't let the fire panic them. They've worked in fire before. They come from fire. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I know there's going to be a few people out there going to say, Fireman's speech. <laughs> the fireman's speech. But that's what I saw. I loved it. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, the, the guy is a beast. <laughs> He's a beast, Mr. Usman. Uh, so is the other guy, Burns. I got all nothing but respect for him, too. Uh, the Nigerian murderer's row continues to roll. Usman. Arasanya, Anthony Joshua, uh, the Cameroonian, um, Francis Ngannou getting a title shot. Those Africans are taking over. But by the way, if there was a title for uh, best physique, I'm sure Usman would be the pound for pound oh. champion. Have you ever seen a guy so fit? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to say real quick before I forget, Evander Holyfield. Uh, yeah, fair, would... very fair. He still looks great. He still looks great. He, he does. It, 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 it is. 
It is pretty crazy. And again, I was thinking, I was thinking, I tweeted it. Rob put it out for me. Thank you, Rob. And um, as always, he put my tweet. You know, I send it to him. He sends it right out there. You know, I got to use carrier pigeons. You know, Ken, I'm not like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not like someday I want to be like you. But he, he, uh, it was just, it was just something. Um, I, I saw Hagler Hearns, and and sure enough, you know, again, Burns was was Hearns early on with the right hand caught, but then Hagler, Mister Hagler, marvelous Marvin Hagler, that that was Uzma, that was Uzma, and again, yeah. Hagler, Hagler is a guy that I would say had that trait, that yeah. supreme confidence, Yo, you yeah. know, still has it. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all in Italy. All yeah. in Italy. <laughs> Even adopted yeah. an Italian accent at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he's beautiful. You gotta, ha- I love you gotta have confidence to put on an Italian accent and pawn it <laughs> off as a real one. <laughs> hey, yeah, by the yeah. way, speaking of uh, Trevor Whitman, I just want to give him a quick shout out. He has a um, he has a company that makes boxing gloves, and one of the things that I think that they're working on, Rob can confirm this, is that they're working on um, the, uh, trying to eliminate the eye pokes. But he makes some really high end training in boxing gloves, uh, MMA gloves. His company is called ONX. Trevor Whitman, shout out. Congratulations on all the successes over there. Um, let's touch on some boxing. Um, I know you had a chance to watch the uh, Jojo Diaz fight. He uh, he got a draw against uh, Rock- Rakamov and uh, trained by Freddie Roach, Rakamov is. And uh, Jojo, poor Jojo, he comes in 3.6 pounds overweight, loses his title on the... On the, uh, on the wait, 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 stop. Did you force him to eat that extra three no, and a half pounds? Yeah, oh, you're right. okay. You're right. Just, oh, no, you're right. I, I, I'm curious. Have you ever had a fighter that missed weight? Because I can't imagine having been in camp with you. I can't imagine it happening, but I'm curious to know if it ever has. Um, I want to make sure, you know, because it's easy to say no. Because 3.6 um, pounds for Jojo. I, I mean, no. He's not even had, close. No, I mean, I've, I, I, listen... I'm not knocking anybody here, but part of my job is to make sure the guy makes weight, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I've been able to, you know, I think I've been able to do that. And, you know, that's my job. I don't get a medal for it. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of my job and the fighter's job too, obviously, but you gotta be, uh, you know, sometimes trainers are babysitters, <laughs> you yeah. know, they, they, you know, you gotta, but you don't want to be a babysitter. You want to have a guy that's professional, a guy that knows what his job is. And obviously, Diaz knows what his job is. He's an Olympian. He's he's a world champion. So obviously, he did a great job in beating uh, Farmer. Um, so, you know, maybe it worked out. You know, the funny thing about this question now, I don't know if anybody else will go down this road with it, but did it turn out to be an advantage for him? Where maybe he's having trouble and he can't make it and he would have killed himself at the you know, dehydrating himself to make the weight. And maybe even though he can't, he loses the title at the scale, I get it. But maybe it gives him an advantage because I tell you, he had more left on the stretch. I'm not saying it was sad, but I, as long as we're on the subject, you yeah. know, we, we talk about, we try to x-ray everything and give you everything. Well, that's part of the x-ray treatment here. Uh, 
you know, he didn't have to kill himself, I guess, making weight, um, you know, and maybe he has trouble making weight now at this point in his life, whatever. Maybe, maybe it's something else, but whatever it is, it may have been an advantage. Usually you would think, oh, it's a disadvantage. He's not in shape, you know, or, uh, lack of discipline, fooling around, eating a lot. Uh, maybe, but also maybe couldn't make it. And he made a conscious decision. You never know. You never know that maybe he made a conscious decision. You know what? I'm not taking any more off, you know, because if I take any more off uh, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm, I'm at my max here. Where he wasn't even I, close, though. That's the problem. But I'm just saying, some guys do that. I, over the 20 years I was calling the fights at ESPN, I used to see guys do that. They would come in and they they be and they a lot of them won the fight. They were in shape and it actually turned out to be not by accident. They consciously thought this out that it was going to be an advantage that they didn't have to take that off where the other guy did because they they didn't drain themselves and they had a little bit of extra in the gas tank. Look down the stretch. I'm breaking the fight down now. What I saw, uh, we jumped right into it. Down the stretch, Ken. He had more in the gas tank. That's what allowed him to win a fight, either win a fight or, or draw, whatever way you want to look at it. I'm not even arguing that. But he, part of it was he was more of a pro. What do I mean, more of a pro? He was, again, he was a guy that his experience being a champion, having fought the much better competition, it showed. It showed. And technical things, too, showed. Having, he he didn't panic. He knew that he would get to where he had to get to down the stretch. And while the other guy was very busy out working him, out throwing him, the the um, rock him off. Yeah, rock him off. Easy for you to say. Um, <laughs> let me make sure. Well, rock him off was very busy. Punch numbers, you know, through the roof, right? Uh, what Diaz was doing was timing him with the the more clean, precise punches. And you know what drives me crazy? I'm not going to pick nobody out. But when announcers, I'm not going to say anybody that night, but maybe it was. I don't know. I don't know. But when, when announcers say, oh, I know that. I know that he's placing his punches, he's landing clean, but the other guy's outworking him. Stop! I want to jump through the freaking television and say, what, what's a, read the rules, you, what's the matter with you? Read the <laughs> rules. The rules of professional boxing, the criteria for score. Maybe that's why we have problems with bad decisions. People like you that don't understand the rules and the judges that don't understand and that don't get criticized for not understanding the rules and not executing the rules. The rules of professional, not amateur, opposite. In professional boxing, who lands the cleaner, more effective punches will be the winner. Bang! Bang! Not who just throws, because when you just throw, a lot of them are landing. They're getting blocked, they're missing, and it's who's landing the cleaner shots. So when I hear these announcements, when I hear these announcements, Oh, yeah, he's one of them. But the other guy's out working. So what? He's out. <laughs> what do you mean? Out working him. He's throwing punches. It's futile. It's futile. It's doing nothing. It's landing on arms. So what? He's shadow boxing somewhere. 
The other guy's doing what the sweet science is about, what the rules are about, what the criteria of scoring professional fights is about. He's landing the cleaner punches, getting credit. You buffoon. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sorry. So I, I digress. So um, he, he was doing a great job, I thought, Diaz, of timing two things. Timing Rakamov, uh as he came in with, with clean shots, good, smart shots. Time He got outworked. There's no doubt about it. Rakamov was busier. He had bigger punch numbers, but he wasn't more accurate. And Diaz was landing the cleanest shots, was timing them really nice, and he was going to the body really well. They were both going to the body early, but Diaz stayed at it. He invested. I used to say on Friday night fights and Wednesday night fights doing the fights at ringside, I used to always say that going to the body early is like taking a CD out for your kids uh, in, in, in the bank. You're getting interest. You take a CD out, you put some money in right for your kid, and then by, when they get older, you have something. It, 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 it brings interest. It, it accumulates interest. Compound thing, interest. Yeah, compound interest, baby. You know? And the same thing in the ring. When you go to the body early, you're getting interest. It's like putting a CD in the bank. You're, you're going to get something back later. And what, what do you get back? You, you tire the guy. You drain the guy. You take something away from the guy's gas tank. Where down the stretch, the guy doesn't have as much to finish with, to make that run at you. And that's what you saw. You saw that, that investment of the body work by Diaz. It paid dividends for down the stretch, where he was small in control, where he was the guy that was finishing stronger where it took something out of Rakamov. And um, between the body work and the timing, he was doing a really good job with the timing. Um, that's what I saw. I saw, like, and I think Rakamov, again, was hurt by, well, maybe Diaz is better taught. Maybe he, he his technique is better in those areas. But Rakamov, from all his experience as an amateur, you can see he knew one thing, be busy. And he was, because that's what works in the amateurs. And he, he kept moving those hands. He deteriorated, like I said, down the stretch. But he was moving those hands, but not as well-rounded, not as technically solid in the areas that I touched on that Diaz was. And that's where I thought Diaz separated himself and, and had the edge. Um, Ragnarok will improve from this fight. Because again, he hadn't been in with the competition. He hadn't been to the big show. You know, uh, it, it, some of it is mental, knowing you can handle yourself at that level. Now he knows he can. He will improve from this, from the experience of this. He will be better from this. Um, real quick, I wanted to just touch on, um, I know you didn't get a chance to watch this fight, but um, Josh Warrington lost to a 12-1 underdog, Mauricio Lara from Mexico City. Lara rocked him in the fourth round. And um, I mean, honestly, if the roles were reversed and it was and it was um, Lara who had been rocked, I'm pretty sure they would have stopped the fight. Warrington took a vicious beating. He eventually got stopped in the ninth round. Brutal knockout. He was down for a while. They had him on oxygen. Um, Thank God. Is he okay? Yeah. I mean, yep, yep. He was okay afterwards. He was up and about moving around. I guess he's um 
I think I read this morning he had a broken jaw, um, a few other bad injuries. Um, I forget what else they. I mean, he was in a. He was. He, he took a beating, and even the announcers were like, "If this was reversed, they would have never let this continue." He was just getting battered. Let um, me question you. Let me let me reverse roles. I didn't see the fight. We said that full disclosure. So you're bringing it up because it was a great upset. It was a big upset. Twelve one underdog. Upset. Yep. Oh, love upsets. Love upsets. Um, love to see the underdog pull them off. And it's good for the sport to let people know there can be upsets, that the underdog, there can be a rocky story. Um, we saw it with Cancio, who we became friendly with. Uh, he, he was like a real-life Rocky when he yep. won the world title, big underdog. Um, let, me, let me ask you a question, Ken, being that you were watching. Should it have been stopped earlier by either the ref or the corner? It was super close. I could, you could make an argument either way. He was in a bad state. I think because he was who he was, they let it go probably a little bit too long. I think they probably let it go a little too long. He was in. That's, he was, that's where you get the injuries. I'm not. Yep, again, no, I'm you're right. I didn't watch the fight. I, that's I why I again. pointed out that he was dropped in the fourth badly, and it didn't stop it until the ninth when he was finally knocked out cold. I mean, he was he was beat up. Um, Credit to Lara, 22-year-old kid, unheard of, from Mexico City, um, went to yeah. England and put it on him. First loss for Josh Warrington. Um, yeah, will be interesting. Uh, Eddie Hearn came right out after the um, fight in true promoter fashion, said, um, yeah, we've got a rematch clause, and I thought that was interesting given that it wasn't a title fight. It was an unheralded guy from Mexico City, but they made sure they had that rematch clause in there, so we'll see what happens. I, I It was such a one-sided fight. I don't know what... It would sounds like the kind of fight, tell me if I'm uh, on the right track here, where Warrington might never be the same. It just oh, sounds oh little... for sure. For a guy who's never had a loss to take a beating that bad and get knocked out the way he did, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he rebounds from that. I think there's a lot of question marks now. And it sounds like a kind of fight for me. I'm putting my trainer's hat on. Again, I didn't see it. But I'm just going by you. You're giving me a lot of information. Um, well, I wouldn't want that rematch right away. Exactly. Know, That's what I was getting at. I, I don't know why you would want to put him back in there. It was kind of like... Um, you know, we talked about it with Anthony Joshua. I mean, he rebounded nicely, but would you want to get back in the ring when you've got beat up so badly in the first one? But to, to Joshua's credit, he did it. And maybe Warrington rebounds nicely. Maybe he just got caught bad early, but it was a devastating beating over five rounds <clears throat> starting in the fourth. Uh, but again, maybe it had to do with his inactivity. Josh Warrington hadn't been in the ring for over a year. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of question marks there. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, from Warrington side. Uh, nevertheless, moving on to Joe Smith. We missed Joe Smith against Maxime Velasov. Vel I don't I hope I'm saying that right for the WBA title. Uh, Velasov tested positive for COVID. That was an interesting one just in that I think if uh, Joe Smith could have got the win, we would have seen Joe Smith with uh, better BF, which would have been a hell of a fight. Two super tough guys come forward, busy guys. Um, Curious what you would think about the potential matchup with Joe Smith and Better BF. I know you have a lot of respect for Joe Smith. Uh, for both of them, for Better BF too. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. Buy a, I buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I, I, I buy a ticket. I, I, I'll tell you, Smith's one of my favorite fighters just because of his uh, demeanor, because of what he is, because he reminds everybody that, you know, you don't have to be the slickest, the fastest. You know, he's a good punch. He's strong. He's physically strong. Very tough. 
Um, very tough, very determined. But uh, there's guys that are faster. There's guys that are more sophisticated, if you will, more more developed in uh, technical areas. Um, I think his people have done a good job with uh, working with what, what he is. But there are guys that are uh, more developed in areas of they've got better jabs and they're slicker. And guess what? He's beaten a lot of those guys too. Yeah. <laughs> those guys I just described that were better than all those. He's beaten a lot of them, by the way, because the quality he has is a most important quality. Again, the belief in yourself, the toughness, the mental toughness, uh, the willingness to go where other people won't go. You know, like I talk about with these UFC fighters, you know, to go into those dark places and bring a light, bring your own light. Don't ask nobody for a light because they, because they, they ain't, you know, they don't allow flashlights uh, in, in the ring. You know, you got to have your own light. You got, it's got to be inside you. Mm-hmm. The belief, the belief that you will get through that darkness and you will always were going to get through that darkness. There was never a doubt you were going to get through that darkness. And for me, he's the blue collar, you know, guy, the king, the, the the epitome of what we talk about when we say in, in the most respectful tones, when we say a great blue-collar guy, a hard-working guy that doesn't have some of the, you know, things, he doesn't have the uh, amateur pedigree, he doesn't have the gold medal from the Olympics, he doesn't have the contract, he doesn't have to, he does, but he's got what he has, what's most important the belief in himself that he's going to do what he has to do. And um, I I love the guy. I, there's a lot of fighters out there I, I feel that way about. He's one of them. He's one of my favorites because of what I just said. He's a reminder to every fighter out there. If you work hard enough. Well, what have I always said on ESPN? And, and the funny thing was Dustin, who's a, just a great person besides a great champion, a great fighter, um, he 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 said when he won his his belt when he won his title he he had written it down and I think he put it somewhere where he could see it every day and basically what it was was I have said all the time on ESPN where the great thing about boxing for me is that no matter where you came from no matter what your life has been up to that point. Good, bad, real bad, <laughs> you know, all kinds of problems. Uh, life wasn't fair, you will, you know, you've suffered on that way. We, we shouldn't, but, you know, it, it's human. You, you, didn't, you didn't have some of the things that you wish you had, and you had a lot of bad breaks. But the great thing about boxing is on one given night, if you're determined enough, if you're willing enough, if you're prepared enough, you can get in that ring with all that having been said in the past. You can get in that ring and for 36 minutes, 12 times three is 36. 12 three-minute rounds for 36 minutes. You can make life fair. You can erase all of that. And you can be champion of the world, have your hand raised, and make all the things 
that have been troublesome, difficult things go away and make life fair. And that's, to me, that's what Joe Smith reminds you of. That, yeah, if you're tough enough, you're determined enough, if you have a dream like he did, he was an amateur since he was a kid, too. He was an Olympic or any of those things, but, you know, he, he was a guy who had experience. Obviously, you have that dream. He's a great, great example to kids out there. Dream it, and then go work your ass off to make it come true. <laughs> that, that's what Joe Smith, that's what he represents for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, him and Better BF, man, I think the fans would have to wear a mouthpiece. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm, 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 there is no, they don't even have to introduce themselves. You know, the, the referee doesn't even have to do all that stuff. They're, they're going to they're gonna get to know each other real fast. <laughs> real fast. Sure. <laughs> yeah. They, they, you know, they talk about, oh, we, we're going to have a warm-up round. No, no warm-up round. Ready? Ding. <laughs> yep. There's your warm-up. Ding. I mean, that would be unbelievable. Better be if would have an edge. He, he was a Olympian. He was... Uh, you know, with the amateur fights. But you don't know when a guy like that will start to wear down a little bit. Yeah. You know, he's been in, yeah. you know, so many amateur fights, so many tough fights. What a tough guy. Better be if he's an animal. In a good way. Of course, I'm doing nothing but showing my, my respect. But he 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 is. And he's a great puncher. Um, the, styles, the styles would be just... Um, Basically the same, <laughs> you yeah. know. Better be if with the edge, of course. Like I said, but Boyle, it would be fun to watch. Yep. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun to watch. I tell you right now. That's one of the bummers about that fight being canceled because it was for the uh, vacant WBO title, and then if had he faced Better Beev, it would have been the IBF, WBC, and WBO on the line. Presumably, if the winner of that fight could have fought Bevel we would have had the chance to see a unified light heavyweight world champion. I mean, granted, that's not a that's not a layup that that fight gets made, the winner of that fighting. Bevel, I mean, with different networks. And Bevel, Bevel's the best. Bevel's the best boxer on paper. He's the best boxer out of all those guys. Yep. But it's not just about boxing, as we just talked about. It's, that's it, right. It's a, uh, sometimes it's about other things, too. And it usually is about other things, too. And um, Bevel's got that, too. Don't get me wrong. But these other guys got a lot of that other stuff. And um, it, all those fights would be interesting. But, boy, better be up and Smith. Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's like, like, like the... The Rocky, one of the Rocky movies where the great, I love the guy, the trainer for Apollo Creed, I forget his name, the actor's name, but he was the trainer for Apollo, where he said, it's like some damn monster movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what this would be. It would be like Godzilla meets Martha. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would be, it'd be like if you were sitting ringside and you're looking, you might say, this is like some monster movie. Yep. I mean, these two guys coming together. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, those are both two men. They are both guys going to bring it. Um, well, Teddy, this was a fun one. I think we've covered everything from this weekend. And um, you got anything else before we sign off? No, go shave, please. <laughs> 
I got to find my razor. Tell your neighbors, tell, tell your neighbors, tell your neighbors, I said hello. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and say hello. Say hello. Look, you got a beautiful smile, Ken. You're a beautiful person. Show it. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't bring that, that attitude. Oh, no, no, no. The people, the people here couldn't be nicer. Actually, the guy who I bought the house from is a really good guy named Chris Spencer. He played for the Titans most recently. He played 14 years, I think, in Seattle. But he said the same thing that your son said about the uh, Super Bowl. He said, with Kansas City's tackles out, he said, watch out. He said, "I, because I, I said, what do you think? I said, I'm ten. I, I think I'm leaning towards Mahomes in Kansas City. He's so good. He said, no, no, no. The offensive line is in a bad shape there. And he was an offensive lineman, played center and guard. Big dude. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, super nice neighbors. Happy to be here in Brentwood, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And uh, Teddy, thanks for doing this. Great episode. Love talking about the UFC and all the boxing action. We've got some good fights on the horizon. Um, guys, thanks everyone for watching. We'll be back soon. We'll talk about Canelo and uh, all the action in Super Middle. Uh, thanks for being with us. Take care.